0: All right, Um, today's date is May 21st, Sunday, 2023. We are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are in the chapter, We Agnostics, and we are on page 47, um, starting with, much to our relief, and reading through to page 49, um, through the paragraph, starting with, instead of regarding ourselves as intelligent agents. Um, and I have asked. Did I, I ask to read? Rick. Ah, yes. And I I have asked Roger to read or Rick to read the um, reading for us. Thank you, Rick. Take it away.
1: But my understanding was that we were starting at the top of page forty-seven. When therefore we speak to you of God, is that correct? That's what I was told, and you just said something different.
0: That's correct, Rick. Yes, that is correct, Rick. Sorry,
1: my bad. Good morning, everybody. My name is Rick, and I'm a compulsive o reader from Miami. When, therefore, we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception of God. This applies, to to other spiritual expressions which you find in this book. Do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. At the start, this was all we needed to commence spiritual growth, to affect our first conscious relation with God as we understood him. Afterward, we found ourselves accepting many things which then seemed entirely out of reach. That was growth, but if we wished to grow, we had to begin somewhere. So we used our own conception, however limited it was. We needed to ask ourselves but one short question. Do I now believe, or am I even willing to believe, that there is a power greater than myself? As soon as a man can say that he does believe, or is willing to believe, we emphatically assure him that he is on his way. It has been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual experience can be built. And there's an asterisk which says... Please be sure to read appendix two on spiritual experience. That was great news for us for we had assumed we could not make use of spiritual principles unless we accepted many things on faith which seemed difficult to believe. When people presented us with spiritual approaches, how frequently did we all say, I wish I had what that man has. I'm sure it would work if I could only believe as he believes but I cannot accept as surely true the many articles of faith which are so plain to him. So it was comforting to learn that we could commence at a simpler level. Besides the seeming inability to accept much on faith, we often found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy, sensitiveness, and unreasoning prejudice. Many of us have been so touchy that even casual reference to spiritual things made us bristle with antagonism. This sort of thinking had to be abandoned. Though some of us resisted, we found no great difficulty in casting aside such feelings. Faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we had tried to be on other questions. In this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. Sometimes this was a tedious process. We hope no one else will be prejudiced for as long as some of us were. The reader may still ask why he should believe in a power greater than himself. We think there are good reasons. Let us have a look at some of them. The practical individual of today is a stickler for facts and results. Nevertheless, the 20th century readily accepts theories of all kinds, provided they are firmly grounded in fact. We have numerous theories, for example, about electricity. Everybody believes them without a murmur of doubt. Why this ready acceptance? Simply because it is impossible to explain what we see, feel, direct, and use without a reasonable assumption as a starting point. Everybody nowadays believes in scores of assumptions for which there is good evidence, but no perfect visual proof. And does not science demonstrate that visual proof is the weakest proof? it, It is being constantly revealed as mankind studies the material world that outward appearances are not inward reality at all. To illustrate, The prosaic steel girder is a mass of electrons whirling around each other at incredible speed. These tiny bodies are governed by precise laws, and these laws hold true throughout the material world. Science tells us so. We have no reason to doubt it. When, however, the perfectly logical assumption is suggested that underneath the material world and life as we see it, there is an all-powerful guiding creative intelligence. Right there, our perverse streak comes to the surface and we laboriously set out to convince ourselves it isn't so. ourselves. We read wordy books and indulge in windy arguments, thinking we believe this universe needs no guide to explain it. Were our contentions true, it would follow that life originated out of nothing, means nothing, and proceeds nowhere. Instead of regarding, isn't it one more paragraph, right? Yeah. Yeah. Instead of regarding ourselves as intelligent agents, spearheads of God's ever-advancing creation, we agnostics and atheists chose to believe that our human intelligence was the last word, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end of all. Rather vain of us, wasn't it? Thank you.
0: Hey, thank you, Rick. Appreciate your service. And now um, we're gonna hear from our speaker today. Lee W is gonna um, speak for the next 20 minutes. Lee, please take it away.
2: Thank you, Nancy. Thanks everyone for your service. Um, Before I start, I just want to connect with my higher power. Just, Just gonna take a breath. And I had to actually write down, connect with God at the top of my sheet, because as you'll we hear this, this, I really resonate with the chapter. We agnostics and it's still a daily practice to hand my will and my life over to a higher power. So hi, everyone. I'm Lee, Compulsive Ever Eater in London, UK. Um, this chapter and this passage mean a lot to me because before I came into the programme, I really prided myself on on being an atheist. I had no spiritual connection whatsoever, Also, I believed at that time. I was really touchy, just as it describes on page 48, when it said, we bristled with antagonism. I definitely bristled with antagonism every time someone tried to talk to me um, about God and certainly about religion. Um, so I'm going to talk through briefly how I came to OA and then a bit on my journey as an atheist and then an agnostic who has... Um, found some faith in a power greater than myself and found recovery thanks to that higher power one day at a time. So in terms of how I qualify to be in the rooms, um, I am, I was, and I always will be a compulsive overeater. My earliest memories of are when I was about six or seven, um, I used to visit my grandmother a lot after school and she was always feeding me treats. And um, my dad once I'd eaten quite a lot of cookies and my dad got quite cross about this and said how many did did you eat at your grandma's and I just lied I said four and I know I'd eaten eight and that really began a lifetime of lying about food I routinely halved the amount of food I ate and lied to others and mainly to myself about just the, the quantity of foods and particularly trigger foods that I was consuming and then um my mum gave me some information lately that just made me understand that I was really born with the allergy of the body because um, she said that she potty trained me. Sorry, I don't know if Americans use the same word, but when you stop wearing nappies, going to diapers, is it the same? You go on the potty. And she says she taught me when I was one and a half years old. Um, and she tra- it was this was the 70s, late 70s. So she trains me by giving me a particular sweet treat every time I did a pee on the potty. And she said, within the first few days, at one and a half years old, I trained myself to make a pea last for five peas so that I would get five treats. Um, so I just realised with this, I mean, now I, when she told me this, I could smile and be grateful for the knowledge, but it just showed me that certain foods, certain substances did something to me from, from literally from being a baby. And... My illness of compulsive overeating showed up in me as morbid obesity. I was fat as a child. I was fatter as a teenager and I became progressively more and more overweight in my 20s, 30s and into my 40s. Um, A couple of times, not many times, I managed to lose a bit of weight, but that became just impossible as my disease progressed. And by the time I hit rock bottom with the food, I weighed about 320 pounds or 145 kilograms. Um, life as a very fat person was really miserable. It's like hell. And I think if you've, if you've been there, you might recognize some of the things that happened to me. Um, I've broken numerous chairs and pieces of furniture. I've broken three beds. I didn't fit into seats on buses or public transport or planes. I walked like someone decades older than me. Um, I was treated like a medical risk when I was pregnant because of the amount of fat I was carrying around and the pressure that that was putting on my body. Um, I was gifted with a beautiful, very sporty boy, um, my son, and I I couldn't kick a ball around the park with him. I would drive him. I still do drive him to his various sporting events but I used to sit at the side just in shame. And I think actually, I just want to mention on shame, the shame of living in that body was really immense. And today I've uh, released about 120 pounds, but I feel like the weight of the shame was way more than that. And thanks to my higher power, that's also been lifted. Um, And... The promises are coming true in my life every day. Um, Yeah, my life is really beyond my wildest dreams and the physical recovery has been an important part of that. But really, it's just been just been the beginning. The spiritual and the emotional recovery has been uh, absolutely huge. And to bring it to the passage, this recovery has happened to me, even though I arrived here as an atheist. My mind was so closed that I wouldn't have even I would have found the term agnostic offensive because I was just like, there is no God. So that's what I want to focus on. Really. I had hit rock bottom with the food. This was around Christmas 2021. I was really and truly desperate on a scale that I had never reached before before. And I couldn't see a way out of the constant, constant, constant binging and binging on huge, huge quantities of food. Um, and when I look back around that time, see, this is just a year and a half ago. My story in OA is not a long one. Um, the but the first sign that I see now is, as higher power or gods being active in my life is that I have no memory of how I found OA. I never knew about OA, and I don't know how. I turned up, but I did at a 7 a.m. early bird meeting in the UK, the first Saturday of January in 2022. I don't remember doing an internet search. I don't know how on earth I found Zoom codes. And I wouldn't have said this at the time, but I really, truly believe that God took my sorry backside and dumped me where I needed to be because I really needed to be in that room. And what I found in the meeting uh, felt really strange. There was a lot of talk about higher power and God. And that was troubling to me. So I swore not to come back. Uh, But the next day I did come back and I came back the day after that and the day after that. And thankfully, I'm still coming back a year and a half later. And what's really important for me in this chapter is um, in the passage is that first line, when therefore we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception of God. Um, To me, that's one of the most important lines in the big book I think if I if I hadn't have had that understanding if people hadn't been kind enough to tell me that in the beginning I wouldn't have stayed in the program but that understanding that I didn't have to start with a Christian God or any concept of God that really really mattered to me um so after a few weeks of lurking around in this um, early morning meeting uh, I met my sponsor and um Yeah, I reluctantly, I quite reluctantly told her that I didn't believe in God. And I expected her to immediately kind of back out of an offer to sponsor me. And much to my surprise, she didn't seem at all bothered or surprised that I didn't believe in God. And there was no judgment. She just said, Well, we'll work on the willingness. And was I willing to go to any lengths to recover from compulsive overeating? And that's actually where the gift of desperation really kicked in, I think. And this passage on, Page 48, where it said, faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open minded on spiritual matters as we had tried to be on other questions. In this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. And for me, that was my trigger foods. I just had nowhere else to go. I had tried absolutely everything. I could see no way out. I was really, really desperate. So, in that sense, the sickness of compulsive of overeating was actually. A great persuader. Um, and so I started the steps, I started doing the work, and without really me noticing at first, maybe shifting a little bit from all that atheist to possibly agnostic, but a spiritual awakening really began in my life. So two things happened really, um, seemingly small, but actually really huge and important looking back the first was that I started doing outreach with many many wonderful fellows and a lovely woman in my first few weeks said Lee just don't worry about God that all you need to know about a higher power is a simple question do you grow your own hair and I was like no I don't grow my own hair do you grow your own nails I said no I don't grow my own nails and she said that's all you need to know there's a power greater than yourself growing your hair And growing your nails, and I thought, oh, okay. Like, and where it says like we can commence at a simpler level, I had to be like really and truly simple, like that simple of I don't grow my own hair. There's a force greater than myself. I'm not at the center of the universe. And I love gardening. I've got a little balcony garden, and I live in in deep South London where there's just concrete all around. And I thought, but still, those those weeds grow through the cracks in my balcony. And that's a power greater than myself. So I just started at that very, very simple level, accepting that there's a power greater than me. Ten minutes. Se- Thank you. Uh, the second thing that happened was it was a kind of shift in the journey of my acceptance of this power that I decided to accept gifts, to stop seeing coincidences in life and to start accepting them as gifts from the universe. So in about June and July last year, for about two months, wherever I turned, I saw feathers, like everywhere. I'd go for a walk in the street, there'd be a feather in my path. I'd be in a park, there'd be a feather. Um, And I just thought, maybe they're just gifts from the universe. And once I kind of saw them as that and accepted them as that, it was a real... Yeah, it was a real moment in my journey of, again, accepting that power greater than myself. And truthfully, even now, right now, today, that's all I know. There is a power greater than me. It's not me. It's all I know. And it's all I need to know. And sometimes now I call it goddess. I call it nature. I call it the universe. I personally don't feel I need to understand it. I just accept its existence. And that acceptance is key and the acceptance of a higher power is a miracle in my life. So I really was everything that this passage suggests. So I was giggling away at the, um, the inter- windy arguments, thinking that I could explain the universe. And also, even worse, thinking that it was my job to control that universe and to control the people in it. Um, and as it says there, I chose to believe that my human intelligence could have the last word. I was really always a thinking person living in my head and not living in my heart. But even in my thinking state, I knew I needed to get out and stay out of the food. And that's what it was again, that desperation. Um, I was willing, willing to believe that there's a power greater than me it started with wanting to get out of food and now it continues one day at a time because my life is immeasurably better with god in it and i have my will and life over to the care of god of my own understanding every day um so i just wanted to say like what that means in practice because i'm i'm quite a practical person and i think especially for newcomers sometimes it's hard to think okay what does it actually mean so the things that it means to me is number one is prayer and meditation and prayer doesn't feel natural to me because it wasn't how I was brought up you know going from an atheist to on my knees in prayer was a huge huge leap Um, I personally do a lot of two-way prayer of writing to my higher power pausing reflecting and writing back I sometimes write or say my own prayers. I use the third and the seventh step prayer quite a lot. I say them at least once every day. And really there's prayer for me in the pause. And that is, um, it's a journey and I'm still learning to pause and respond rather than react. And if there are other parents here, I think you might um, understand that as well, that sometimes when my kid is winding me up, I'm really learning to, to pause. And I don't always get it right. It's a journey. Uh, The second thing I do is just gently, with a lot of self-compassion, try to step out of my head and step into my heart space. So that means noticing when I'm in overthinking mood. I do get overwhelmed sometimes. I've got two jobs. I look after my son on my own for most of the week. I'm a trustee. I'm a school governor. I do... Fair bit of service in program, and sometimes it feels a bit much. And when it does, I write it all down to get it out of my head. And then I pray and I let God in to show me what is the most important thing on that list and to understand that time is not mine to bend at my will. Time is just time. And I can only do the next right thing. So it's about pausing and letting God in to those decisions. And then, as I said, um, the third thing is really about accepting gifts and not coincidences. And I just wanted to share a little story this week about a higher power at work in my life, because to be very honest with you, this the past week and a half has been one of the hardest weeks since I came into recovery. Nothing has really changed. Things were the same two or three months ago, but my response to them has been difficult, and I've had an emotionally difficult couple of weeks. And I was feeling particularly lonely. And my son goes to gymnastics on the, on a Tuesday after school and there's nowhere to watch him. So, And it's too far to drive home. So I have to sit in the car in the car park and wait for him. And it's just a time of the week where I feel lonely. And this week it just got too much. And I called my sponsor in tears and um, she gave me some love as she always does. And, um, you know, I went to, I got out of the car, went to meet my son. And there was a friend that I haven't seen for a few years and her son had just joined the same gymnastics um, class as my son. And she said, oh, thank goodness you're here. Can we meet every week while they go to gymnastics? And then 20 minutes later, once I'd driven us home, um, I heard a car horn and another friend was just driving past, slowed down the car and waved to me. And I thought, goodness, like I had just sobbed and pray to God, and felt a real moment of loneliness. And within 20 minutes, again, in, in London, this is not like a small village where we go out and meet 10 people in half an hour that we know. It's not like that, but within 20 minutes, I saw two people that I knew. And I could choose to accept that as some strange coincidence, but I choose to accept it as gifts from, from my higher power. Um. So I would like to say to newcomers, if you're sitting here like I was as an agnostic or as an atheist don't worry welcome you're very very welcome do not worry at all you're really amongst friends and fellows who will really understand um the truth is that as we sometimes hear in the rooms if I walk to God God runs to me if I take a tiny tiny baby step towards God. God takes a huge giant leap towards me and what I find really comforting and what's been my experience is that we are just as likely to experience a spiritual awakening as an agnostic as we are if we followed a particular religion our whole life. Not having a full faith in a particular God does not stop us from having um, a spiritual awakening or spiritual experience. And I needed God, I didn't know how much, but I really and truly needed to connect to a power greater than myself in my life. My Wait life had, thank you, Nancy. My life had become completely unmanageable, and it really was only that spiritual awakening and the daily practice sometimes hourly practice. It, it, I, I'm not gonna. Pretend I've got all this figured out. I have to remind myself every day, hand your will, hand your life over to your higher power. But handing my will and my life over to a God of my understanding, I needed that so that I could find recovery one day at a time. And it really starts, and this passage has been such such a reminder of that, and I'm really grateful to have shared on it. But it starts by keeping it simple, as it says. By starting from your own concept of a power greater than yourself. It really doesn't matter what anyone else's power is to them. But my concept of God is what matters to me. Um, I really hope that something I've said has resonated. And again, if, if you're new here, if nothing's resonated, please come back because you will hear from many brilliant people and one day probably quite soon you'll hear something that that you need to hear Um, and I hope that some people have heard some things they need to hear today so thank you so much for the opportunity to give service Uh, thanks to everyone else for doing service here and I will pass.